Well, the good news is most of the snow has already melted, at least uh, in my downriver community. The bad news, all that snow has turned to ice. Uh, I I don't know about your side of town, Renee, but uh, how was your drive in? What was happening was as it was hitting, it was making that. uh, Yeah, so it's that sleety stuff. Uh, I mean, it was melting pretty quick. Surface streets are kind of messy. So, yeah, definitely give yourself extra time. And then then you're getting those random snow squalls. Yeah. What the heck is that? Yeah. So even for the most seasoned Michigander, it's the first, you know, snow that we're dealing with. Give yourself extra time as you head out this morning. From the traffic lady. and yeah. uh, <laughs> That's but, official. Uh, yeah, it, right. You got credibility. So, yeah, it, it's a bit misleading because when I woke up this morning, I said, oh, my goodness, all the snow is melted. And then you get out on the streets and the roads are shinier than my forehead was in seventh grade. <laughs> and you realize, uh, yeah, don't hit the brakes too hard. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, we've definitely dealt with worse. Um, but, you know, coming off of a long weekend, maybe you slept in a little bit longer. Give yourself extra time for sure. Yeah, and we we need we need this first one to kind of get ourselves acclimated. Right. I mean, we've we we sir we survived the polar vortex of 2013 and 2014. <laughs> yeah. We'll be okay just uh, Right. It's a good storm signs, to ease back into things. Yeah. As the storm as the signs say, ice and snow take it slow. Look and, at uh, you. Look at yeah. you. Look at me. I should I should not be reading while I'm driving, but they're they're on the billboard, so it's safe. All right, and uh, Renee, just when you think you survived Black Friday, here comes Small Business Saturday, and then once you get pa- past that, it's Cyber Monday, and I feel like eventually there's going to be uh, some kind of kitschy shopping day for every day of the week right. following Thanksgiving. Right. When's uh, I just want to know when clearance something comes. That's uh, what I'm holding out for. Return clearance uh, Boxing Day. That's December 26th. Okay. All right. That's what I'm going to hold out for. Uh, I don't know. I feel like this one's anticlimactic because these sales are all starting so early because, like, Black Friday started before Black Friday. And, you know, I logged in yesterday to my Amazon, and it feels like all the Cyber Monday sales started Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, you know, there's no definite start date. Yeah, Black Friday started on a Wednesday in mid-October this year. Right. It, 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 I, I have to say, though, Renee, I think it's kind of a bad strategy to have these shopping days this late in the month. A lot of people are running out of paycheck coming the 24th, 25th, and 26th. I think these days would be more lucrative if you, like, centered them around the 15th and the 30th of the month. I'm with you. You know, like uh, December 15th can be uh, last minute payday. And, uh, you know, you put up a whole bunch of deals there because everyone is temporarily flush with cash. And I think that I, I think that would be a good final shot in the arm. It probably would be a nightmare for the people who work shipping like UPS or Amazon. Uh-huh. But uh, I got to say, I got to say, um, yeah, from about the 22nd of the month, until the end of the month, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely living differently than I am the 15th through the 21st. Yeah, or give a deeper discount on those days. Yeah, that's a good idea. But I, I heard, I, I heard on the news that uh, American consumers racked up one trillion dollars of credit card debt in the third quarter. So maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't matter. Is that because of interest rates? It is because of interest rates, but I also think it's because of our just our bad money management um, uh, 
abilities. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturdays, even if people don't have a whole lot in the uh, checking account there, they're, they're going to find other ways to get these deals, whether these deals are legit deals or they just mark them up temporarily before Black Friday and then, quote, unquote, slash the prices. So are we back to me getting a noodle necklace from you for Christmas? <laughs> Either that or um, I'm going to uh, make make a bunch of uh, uh, macaroni shell art and, uh, you know, maybe make a nice fish or a castle or I, something. You know what? As long as it's made with love from you, Michael, I'm very excited about it. A little homemade card. I, You know what? It comes from the heart. It's fine. My wife will make it, but I'll sign my name on it. I'll probably display it on the fridge. Thank you. And I'll, I'll come over periodically and make sure it's still up. <laughs> All right. Well, there is some optimism coming out of the Middle East. First of all, both sides have expressed interest to extending the ceasefire, which technically ends today. Um, Four-year-old American Abigail Eden, she was free. Um, She turned four years old on Friday. Both her parents were killed in the October 7th attack, and her birthday was Friday. So uh, she was one of the first Americans to be released. She was the first American, actually. There's there's two more women who have not been freed yet. Things got a bit tenuous over the weekend when Hamas delayed the release of their second round of hostages over accusations that Israel was not allowing their agreed-upon aid into Gaza and that very little of it was reaching the north. Eventually, the situation got sorted out. Over the weekend, these past three days, Hamas has released a grand total of 58 hostages. Israel has released 117. And I I don't know about you, Renee, but the fact that it took them three days to release their first American, a child, and the fact that we're on our fourth day of this ceasefire, and hopefully it gets extended, and two-thirds of our other American hostages are, are still not freed, I think if by the time this is all said and done and those three Americans aren't hostages, I got to think we're looking at at that as a failure of American diplomacy. Yeah, it should have not taken that long and it should have gone a lot smoother. And I know that they're using the delivery of aid uh, as you know a key factor in sustaining this truce and exchange. Uh, I don't know. Is that is that what the holdup was? Yeah, I think that's exactly what the holdup was. Hamas was saying that uh, not not as many trucks as promised were were, were getting into Gaza and that um, they were all staying in the south. They weren't heading north, which I didn't even know there's still people in the north. I thought everybody had fled. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it looked like for a second on Saturday this thing might have been over pretty quickly. Yeah. But it got sorted out, luckily. Yeah. And, and, you know, this this whole thing with Abigail, gosh, how awful. You know, on one hand, yay, her fourth birthday and she's being released. But the reality is, is what is she coming home to? You know, right. both of her parents are gone. Well, what is this and, new life that she's coming home to? It's awful. And, and what is she going to be dealing with the rest with for the rest of her life right. that the rest of us can't even comprehend? No. No, I mean, it's not happy. It's not. It's happy that she's coming home and that's it. Yeah, it's not. It's not a it's not a fairy tale ending, but hopefully she needs she gets the help she needs. She she I believe I saw her great aunt being interviewed on the news. Her great aunt looks relatively young. I think she does have family that she could stay with. But yeah. I mean, just like everything in war, there's no completely happy endings. There's no. just 
uh, various degrees of tragedy. Right. Uh, over the weekend, Michigan Wolverines, they remain undefeated. They beat um, fellow unbeaten arch nemesis Ohio State 24-30 at the Big House. Birthday boy Blake Corum ran for two touchdowns. He set a new single season touchdown record for Michigan. Jim Harbaugh actually gained a $500,000 bonus on Saturday for winning the Big Ten East. And Talk there's about no some win- easy money for him. <laughs> Right, and and here's the thing: there's no language in his contract that says he had to actually be on the sideline to be eligible. So, you know, I hope he he shares some of that with Sharon Moore because I got to say, um, we we kind of laughed when Jim Harbaugh was suspended for three games early on in the season during their 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 powder puff uh, non conference schedule, Eastern Carolina, UNLV, uh, but Sharon Moore got thrown in to two of the uh, two of the toughest opponents that Michigan was going to face this year beating Penn State beating Ohio State I think Harbaugh should definitely uh share some of that money with him and I'm wondering if there's other uh programs out there now looking at Sharon Moore saying huh all right he took down number two Ohio State he took down Penn State maybe we should give this guy a look well, and Harbaugh said something interesting in a press conference. He said that he would be willing to take a pay cut if it would allow players to start getting paid. He's a big Good. advocate for players getting paid. Good for him. And you could say that Jim Harbaugh has all the money that he's ever going to need for the rest of his life. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, how, ma- how many other coaches would do that? I know Tom Brady did that for a bit when he was with the New England Patriots. I think for a little bit, Patrick Mahomes took a bit of a pay cut because there's some guys who look at their bank account and say, okay, I don't need any more money. What I do need is more championships and to uh, further cement my legacy. And and I, maybe Harbaugh's got that DNA in him. And Jason, you got something to say? Uh, no. Oh, I thought you looked like you were going to chime in. I'm sorry. Oh, um, <laughs> excuse me. No. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I have always wondered with uh, these suspensions, and I was talking to my friends during the game, and I said, what is it, like, how do you police if Jim Harbaugh wanted to uh, text one of his coaches that may be in the, like, in the booth? I know on the sidelines I hear there's no cell phones. Right. But I've always wondered, like, with so much technology, I'm sure he can, you know, partake in it somehow. I don't know. Yeah. The only thing I would say is that, and... And who knows, Jason, I wouldn't put anything past this Michigan team because it seems like another shocking twist is around the corner. I would say um, he probably wouldn't be able to do that because they're under a microscope. But that's a that's a valid point. I Let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think that the fact that Michigan, you know, they went undefeated, they beat Penn State, they beat Ohio State without Jim Harbaugh, has restored credibility to the season because if they went undefeated and these sign stealing allegations were were hanging out over the head over their heads, you could say, well, okay, they cheated, they stole signs, but they 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 were without Jim Harbaugh for the toughest part of their schedule. I'm going to guess they wouldn't be able to steal signs at this point because they're under a microscope. Do you, do you think the fact that they were at that disadvantage and they still went undefeated restored credibility to this uh, team and if they win a championship, no one can take it away from them at this point. Yeah, I think I think beating Penn State and Ohio State, because the rest of the schedule, let's face it, was against yeah. very lesser competition. It, yeah, it definitely does restore it, some. Yeah. You're always going to have it in the back of your mind. And this, and this season will always have an asterisk, but, um, you know, 
I'll tell you what, they better win it all now. Right. All this they put us through, they better win it now. Let's go. Could you could you imagine Sharon Moore goes uh four now? I think he was he he played one of the earlier uh games. He was on the sideline as a coach. Could you imagine yeah, Sharon Green, Moore? I believe. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Eastern Carolina, but I, I'm, I'm same thing. wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Uh, could you imagine Sharon Moore? He goes on this run and then the first game, well, they're not going to lose to Iowa, but they get into the playoffs and, and Jim Harbaugh fumbles it and they end up losing under, under his tutelage. <laughs> right. All right. Then he'd be um, gone, I guess. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> they fire him and bring Sharon Moore in. Uh, or Ryan Day might be looking for a job. We'll see. All right. We are running late, of course. What else is new? It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. That's right. You're stuck with us for another half hour, but we're glad to be here. And uh, during in the middle of the Michigan-Ohio State game, Michigan State announced their new head football coach, John, Jonathan Smith, from Oregon State. Smith took over a 111 Oregon State team in 2019, like Coach Prime. And coached them to a five and seven record his first season. Uh, he won the Pac-12 Coach of the Year in 2022. Finished this year eight and four, ranked 22nd. And he's supposed to be a really good with the transfer portal, uh, which may become more important than actually recruiting, and it might already be. So, uh, a little uh, update there on the Michigan State uh, coaching situation. Hopefully, this c- kind of puts the Mel Tucker saga in the rear view and Renee it was quite a tale of two different halftime shows on Thanksgiving oh my gosh what happened what happened to the Lions and what happened to our halftime show well number one all right when it comes to the Lions everybody dragged me the Sunday before giving up on the game against the Bears and they came back and won and everybody is all like Oh, look, haha! in your face. I was giving up on a game. You After, were. I was giving up on a game. All of y'all are giving up on the season after one bad no, loss. To the I'm not. Group. Not you. Not you. I'm talking about the Internet. Um, <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't get to watch much of the game. I was wrestling a bird. Isn't it great? Dan Campbell's now the worst coach of all time. Yeah. And everyone's <laughs> jumping off the boat. You know what? I'm I'm going down. I'm actually going down to New Orleans to watch them in person. And I'm going down hopeful. And I'm taking yeah. all your thoughts and prayers with me. <laughs> well, God, stop listening to me a long time ago. But maybe he'll listen to Jason. Um, but here's the thing. Wait, all right. was that me? What? Was that your impersonation of me? No, that was my impersonation of the damned. Okay. I didn't know if that was supposed to be me. I don't know. Are you feeling insecure this morning, (laughs) Renee? A little bit. I'm sorry. You're doing great. It's the day after the holiday. (laughs) You know, we got to get our legs under us. Yeah. Honestly, Renee, I think you look thinner than you did before the Thanksgiving holiday. (laughs) Well, you are wrong, sir. You are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But here, yeah, Jason's absolutely right. People are calling for... Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, who's turned this defense around 300, uh, 180 degrees, 360 would be the same. He's turned this defense around 180 degrees. People are now fire Aaron Glenn. Yeah. Well, plus people are already trained that when the Lions do do this, oh, here we go. Yeah, same so old well. Lions. Yeah, here we we're go. We're not Everybody, doing. We're not going anywhere. You no. Know. Everybody, calm down. It's fine. Let's get back to this halftime thing. Well. I, just one, one, one final thought on the Lions. 
We're still eight and three. That's first place in every division except for the NFC East. And it wasn't the Lions' fault. It was the waxing Gibbous Moon's fault. I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter (laughs) X, but somebody went back to 1966, and the last 12 times Detroit Lions played on Thanksgiving under a waxing Gibbous Moon, they lost. So. So blame the moon. Yeah, they're like 0-13, right? Is Mercury in retrograde? Can we blame that, too? (laughs) I feel like Mercury's always in retrograde. (laughs) Blame it on the waxing gibbous mood was the B-side of Millie Vanilli's Blame It on the Rain. It wasn't quite as catchy. (laughs) All right, back to halftime. I'm sorry, Renee. No, Mercury is not in retrograde until December 12th. (laughs) And I like when you Google it. It says, no, something else is bumming you out. (laughs) Yeah, no, your life is just a mess. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jack Harlow, he was terrible. So was his set. It looked like somebody stole it from the mall where kids get their pictures taken with Santa. I don't know what happened. It was awful. Yeah, there was a tarp and like this weird igloo thing. That didn't look like it was fully assembled. Like they stopped halfway through. It looked like the fake snow you put under the Christmas tree, but just a lot of it. Right. Like the, you know, that cloth. Yeah. And they gave up halfway. The igloo was not even fully assembled. I mean, on one uh, on one hand, it's nice that they didn't put them out by the snack bar like they did BB Rexa (laughs) last year. That was weird, too. But here's the thing. All right. You have 77-year-old Dolly Parton. Who rocked. Dallas. Oh, my right. gosh. It, and, of course, she was lip-syncing, and you could kind of tell she was, uh, you know, she was struggling physically. She was. She's she was, 77. Right. But she, even through all of that, she still came with it way more than Jack Harlow. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know who's in charge of the halftime show. I don't know if it's the artist. I don't know if it's the franchise. But, uh couldn't we yeah, get Eminem? I'm pretty sure he was there anyway. Yeah, Eminem should have gone down there and, I don't know, at least turn on a fog machine or something. something. Give, us little, give us a little bit of uh, production value. Something. Oh, my God. That was awful. It was embarrassing all the way around. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 it looks like they almost forgot about it until the day of, and they're like, okay, go out to Home Depot and uh, <laughs> grab a couple things. Right. They all went right. to the mall. <laughs> right. Yeah, Lakeside's closing down. They probably just said, hey, can we have your Santa display? I know you guys are knocking this place down for can office space. Can we borrow this? Yeah. We're all like, just take it. We're we, not going to borrow this and it. never bring it back. Right. Yeah. Which they can because they won't be open next Christmas. Right. All right. So uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this Matt Reif guy. He's Ugh. been everywhere lately. At first, I hated this guy because he's a comedian and he's really handsome. And that's not fair. He back does have in a my day, jawline. It's the most chiseled jawline. And abs. It's, yeah. Mm. It, it, he's it, he's chiseled out of granite. <laughs> and back in my day, you were either good looking or funny. You couldn't be both. Yeah, he's got both going on. But he's not even that funny anymore. Did you watch his his uh, Netflix special? I didn't, but I saw the clip. And, and so I guess he opened his set with a joke where he and a buddy went to a restaurant. The... Um, the hostess who sat them down had a black eye. His buddy said, wow, why did they put her out in the hostess stand with a black eye? They could have put her in the back in the kitchen so people wouldn't have to see her, which is kind of uh, cringy uh, to begin with. And then Rice said, well, 
If she could cook, she probably wouldn't have that black eye. Right. And, of course, this did not go over well with a lot of people. Then Matt Reif took to his Instagram story and posted a link to a quote-unquote apology, which was a link to an online store that sold medical helmets for people with special needs. Renee, your thoughts? So here's my thing. I watched the special, okay? And, you know, like you, I heard a lot about this Matt Reif guy, and I was like, let's see what this is all about because – Everybody was losing their mind. Do you remember when his tickets went on sale for the Royal Oak Music Theater? And everybody yeah, on some... Facebook was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't get my tickets. Oh, my gosh, I got my tickets. Everybody was losing their minds. So let me see what this guy's all about. I watched this special, and that was the first joke. And I went, Ugh. I cringed. But let's well, let's see it through. And I went, this guy's not funny. What am I missing? And my husband was like, I don't understand this guy. I felt like I was watching my friend's kids tell jokes. And I thought, maybe I'm too old. And it just kept going, and it wasn't funny. And he's not funny. I don't understand it. And this just, pardon my language, it pissed me off listening to him. Well, here's the thing. You know, number one, that domestic violence joke is a very old joke, and it's not funny. I mean, um, you don't know how many drunk uncles I've heard tell a variation of that joke. Growing up, at, right. at, not my not my uncles, but, you know, other people <laughs> get in the kitchen. Yeah, right. Uh... Yes. And so and then he didn't help himself posting the special needs helmet. either. No. It's like grow up, dude. Yeah. And, but of course, the debate is what's the line between comedy and, and being offensive? I, I saw someone quoting Anthony Jeselnik, who's who, who's pretty edgy himself. Uh, his thoughts and prayers uh, monologue is 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 pretty classic out there. And uh, he said the art of comedy is getting away with it. If what you're saying is funnier than it is offensive, you can get get away with it. And that's the art. Anybody can say something to make people mad. It takes talent to say it in a way that people will laugh and, and get mad. But I think I think the other thing is you don't punch down in comedy. You can make fun of different groups of people in comedy as long as they're deemed to be on the same level or above you power-wise. Domestic violence victims, they're seen as a powerless group because the goal of abuse is to take away someone's power. Right. Um, so, and, and then people with special needs, obviously, they have unique challenges that people with special needs don't right. face. So in that respect, it's it's tacky to punch down. And I right. think I think that's kind of the line. You're right. You are absolutely right, Mike. And, you know, then you had the people that were defending him in a way saying, well, you know what? This this generation, they wouldn't have liked, uh, you know, Sam Kinison and Eddie Murphy specials, Andrew Dice Clay. And you're right. It's not even about they they were a different type of comedy. Right. And like I said, there's a skill in saying something offensive in a way that it's it, it it's funny. And like I said, I, I think that you make fun of people on your same level or above you. You, do, you, you don't you don't kick a marginalized group when they're down. Well, and, you know, his, this guy, his whole thing is, is that he he finds people in crowds mm-hmm. and he rips on them. But right. it's coming out that those people are all planted, too. Yeah, that makes sense. Um. And th- another bummer of a story, it turns out that Daryl Hall is filing a restraining order against John Oates. I guess uh, I-, I guess what happened is years ago, uh, Hall and Oates, they s- they sold a-, a-, a big part of their catalog to an investment firm and that Oates wants to sell the rest of his share. Daryl Hall, he 
regrets it and doesn't want to sell any of his catalog back. In fact, he actually wants to to, to buy some of it back. And uh, so Daryl Hall filed the restraining order against John Oates so that he would not be able to do that. He said, I can't go for that. No can do. Uh, you know, Renee, we're going to have to have a one-on-one conversation about your puns. All right. You've gone too far. And you they know were private documents that were sealed. They were for private eyes. Right. Now, and now we're watching you. All right. Look, we got to get yes, out of this. Mike. We got to get out of this before I make more puns. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. All right, and it looks like uh, everybody remember to set their alarm after the long holiday weekend. Everyone got in safely with the slick roads. Guy, Lloyd, Jamie, uh, for the last four days, I didn't know what day it was, but uh, apparently (laughs) it's Cyber Monday because we're all here very early. Yes, we are. And I'm going to take my roller skates off now after that music interlude. Uh... (laughs) Couple skate. (laughs) Couple skate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, deceptively slippery out there on the roads. I, I don't know about you, everyone's side of town, but uh, I have uh, not a lot of snow left on the grass, but all that snow is turned into ice on the on the side streets. Yeah, and I think some bridges and overpasses are going to yeah. be bad. And among the many things we're thankful for this morning are the salt trucks that are going to be out there because uh, we're going to need a little prep. Yep. Let me ask the three of you, because we didn't know the answer. When it comes to halftime shows on Thanksgiving, Who's in charge of that? Is it the is it the team or is it the artist? Because I think we all saw two vastly different efforts between <laughs> oh the halftime on Thanksgiving. <laughs> First of all, can we just tip our hat, our Cowboys hat, to Dolly Parton, who yes. at the age of seventy seven, legend, put, put on a cowgirls cheerleader outfit, and I think pulled it off. She Looks did amazing. She did. Yeah, and uh, we were talking about it. I mean, you could tell there were times where where she was kind of clutching on to the the, the stage, but she still gave two thousand percent more of an effort than Jack Harlow <laughs> oh, did. Which uh, Renee, you, an understatement. Yeah, I didn't, well, how I did didn't you see it? I was playing with well, grandchildren. Yeah, I didn't well, see it either. But it's the number of people talking about this, yeah. it makes me want to go back and be like, "Geez." I kind of heard it in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. You guys all made the right decision because there was a tarp, and then Renee, you, I think you described it aptly. Yeah, it looked like uh, we borrowed basically a set from one of the malls for Jack Harlow, for that the kids used to to go see Santa they in the just, mall. They just should have left some stuff from Hobnobble because <laughs> right. it would have been better than that. I it, did see the stage. It, it was, was like, like half an igloo and like a tarp and, you know, some yeah. fake snow. It was embarrassing. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And like yeah. I said, Eminem, I think he was hanging out at Ford Field. Couldn't we have snagged him halfway through and just let him take over? Yeah, maybe Paul W. could have let Jack Harlow b- borrow his big head from the uh, parade. <laughs> he let him parade around for the last few minutes. So, yeah, but Dolly Parton is a national treasure. She can do no wrong. No. Uh, she she still gave a, a heck of a performance. And, By the way, uh, have you I, heard her new album? I've heard some of the cuts. It's on the great. New album. She rocks yeah. out. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty good. It is. And she was so modest about it when it came out. Oh, it's nothing, you guys. It's just a little s- project I did. She's doing A-list duets. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's some great stuff on that. I would think no matter what genre you are, if, if Dolly Parton calls you up to do a duet, you answer and say yes. <laughs> That's right. Right.
I'm looking at this Jack Harlow igloo thing. It does look terrible. Yeah. It's awful. Look at you can see the seams where they put it yeah. together. It's like someone stapled a couple things. Right. <laughs> Thank it's God for like, Velcro. Right. It's almost like Jack Harlow woke up that morning and said, Oh, oh, shoot, that was today? Yeah. <laughs> Put the turkey leg down and showed up. <sighs> right. And then he went back to uh, doing whatever he does, uh, which uh, used to be illegal in the state, but it's been legalized recently. <laughs> right. So uh, some good news. Um, it, it, it looks like this uh, truce, both sides, Israel and Hamas, are open to extending it. We got our first American freed on day three. Uh, little, she's four year old now, Abigail Eden, and uh, today is technically the last day of this ceasefire. Technically, the last day to officially release hostages. And number one, I think the fact that it took three days to release the first American when there's only three, uh, I think that's somewhat unacceptable. And, and I'm wondering if you guys feel that if by the end of this, all three of those eligible American hostages are not released if this would be seen as a failure of American diplomacy? I I, I don't think so, because it, it, there, there is a lot of consternation about the fact that Hamas isn't necessarily in control of all of these hostages. There's a number of splinter groups. Now, you would think that they, if they could have the, the coordination between the splinter groups and Hamas to instigate this attack, they'd be able to communicate and, and get the hostages freed as well. But I don't think that necessarily a failure... But it, it just it's going to take time. My greater concern is, well, not my greater concern, but one of my concerns is, is what's happening while the ceasefire is, is, is being undertaken. First of all, well, we'll get into it after six. But, I mean, you've, you've got them retrenching in Gaza. It's just going to make the job of eliminating them that much harder. Right, which which was a concern of Benjamin Netanyahu in the first place. So, but they're um, talking extension, and, and that's not a bad thing if it gets more hostages out. But there is a cost to it. Right, and it, it almost looked like this whole deal uh, was going to be over uh, pretty pretty early on on Saturday when there was a large delay by Hamas for releasing the hostages because they felt like uh, Israel uh, wasn't keeping up their end of the bargain when it came to the aid coming into Gaza. Yeah, so, I, I I do think that it, at least for the moment, the, the, the Biden uh, administration can celebrate a diplomatic victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they, they were working very hard behind the scenes to get this done. And we've got some admissions over the weekend that the president says he wants to see that pause extended. And that has always been a goal. Again, that comes with a certain peril. But his goal is to get the hostages out. And that's not a bad thing. Be talking about it on JR Morning. Be talking about it all day on News Talk 760 WJR. Stay tuned. JR Morning coming up next. A number of social media companies are facing a growing number of lawsuits claiming that they're addicting and could be dangerous to children. Attorney Andrew Reed discusses it with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz on All Talk. Reading a little stat the other day about how many uh, people, I think it's under the age of 30, get their news from TikTok. And it's like 32% of Americans now get their news from TikTok. That's where they find out what's happening in the world. So if you're a parent, you're probably a little bit concerned about the impact and the influence of social media in general. And you may have felt a, a little surge of hope upon hearing a judge's ruling against not just TikTok, but a, a slew of social media giants uh, in an effort to protect your children's mental health. It's a big-time ruling, Kevin, that we saw come down. 
Boy, if I ever wanted a uh, case to uh, go forward, uh, this would be a... You know why I like cases to go forward, right, Tom? Because you don't want them to fall backwards. No, because when they go forward, the attorneys are allowed to get discovery. Evidence. And they're allowed to have depositions, and people have to go under oath, and they have to answer questions. And when you're talking about a lawsuit alleging that uh, children are being enticed and addicted uh, on social media, I want people under oath. I want discovery. I want them to turn over documents. Uh, so that uh, people can find out what's really going on. Uh, Join us now is Andrew Reed, an attorney at Carstens Allen and Gorley. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Glad to be on. Yeah, thanks for being here. Am I going to get my wish? Am I going to get all of this stuff? Are we going to be able to pull the curtain back and see what's really going on uh, behind these major social media uh, companies? We will see. It's one the judge did allow, it denied part of this motion to dismiss that the social media companies had filed, but there were some aspects that he he or she, I apologize, I forgot the judge's name off the top of my head, but they did allow some of the claims to be dismissed. So these cases focus on many different elements, and there's a multitude of these cases going on. So some of these reports do mix certain facts and questions about each case, and it's hard to delve into each one individually right now because there is so much noise going on out there regarding these cases because we have these cases filed by some attorney generals out there, attorneys general, as well as several others that were brought by private institutions as well, some brought by school districts. There's just a multitude. But in this particular case that was against a several of the social media, if you want to call them giants out there, the judge actually said regarding these cases and the facts regarding the addictive nature and whether these companies knew about it and didn't take steps that they believed could have been taken very arguably easy, as some people have put it, to make this technology less addictive, especially for younger adults, teenagers, kids that are using the technology, that those claims will at least for now move forward. Now, there were some claims about third-party content being on these sites and how that third-party content was allowed to get there and could that also contribute. The judge essentially dismissed those claims because there is what's called a safe harbor law for social media platforms, forums there on the internet, as well as internet service providers. Um, so that that safe harbor basically says as long as they are not taking steps to basically edit the content, but they can take certain reasonable steps for limited moderation. For example, keeping certain content that shouldn't be available to those younger in the audience, they can take steps to keep that off of their platform. But in general, as long as they're not sitting there and editing the content itself and not taking steps to go beyond that just general moderation of content, then they have this safe harbor of they can't be sued for what somebody places on their platform. Is that is that the uh, Section 230? We've, we've, we've uh, looked at this story before, and uh, they keep going to, well, Section 230 protects them. They can do whatever they want because they can't be sued. Uh, did the federal judge uh, reject parts of Section 230 or all of it? Uh, so the judge denied the claims regarding third-party content because of Section 230, saying that's third-party content that's loaded on.